0: Welcome back to our series, Enemies of Faith. Um, Stoner, get up here quick before I go any further. Y'all remember Stoner? Give it up for Stoner. Um, Last week, we started off this series by saying there is an enemy that wants to attack our faith. And if you didn't know it last week, you you know it now. There's an enemy who is trying to attack, he's doing everything he can to put us in chains. But we said last week that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on a cross. And when he died on the cross and he resurrected from the dead, he broke every single chain that would ever bind us. When Christ defeated death, he defeated your guilt and he defeated your shame and he defeated your addiction and he defeated your loneliness and he defeated your pride and he defeated every single chain that would ever bind itself against you. In one moment, Christ's death defeated everything that would ever come against his sons and daughters. But 2,000 years later, there's still a bunch of us living like this. Two thousand years after every single chain was destroyed, sons and daughters of the king are still living in chains. Why? Because there are enemies of the faith that want to make sure we never live free. There's enemies that know that if they can crush our faith, if they can destroy our faith, and they can destroy our purpose, they can destroy our freedom. And it's not just about our freedom. We said this last week, it's, it's not just the enemy that's coming after us. When an enemy comes after your faith, faith is not just something for your freedom. Faith is something God uses to make you holy. And when God makes people like us holy, God gets glory from it. So the enemy isn't just after your freedom, the enemy is after God's glory, and that should offend us. So it's a fight worth fighting. And we said our definition of faith comes from Hebrews 11.1, and it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And what is it that we hope for? We hope that the story is true, right? We hope that God is good. We hope that Jesus saves we hope that we are chosen and righteous and redeemed and set apart. And we hope that what we see in this world is not everything. This is we, we're confident in what we hope for and we're assured of what we do not see. What don't we see? The face of God. It's hard to see the face of God. What do we see? Our chains. So faith... Is, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance that the God we can't see is more powerful than the chains we can see. It's assurance that, that anything that comes against us is not as powerful as the God that is within us. And that's what faith is, and that is exactly what the enemy is trying to steal. He wants to take your faith. And so this week and last week, we're picking a fight. And we said, man, you, you, can't, just, you can't just have faith. I can't just wake up and decide to believe in something that I don't believe. Faith is a free gift from God, but you must use the faith God has given you to place that faith in God and allow him to grow that faith. Faith works like a, like a muscle. Like, guys, I, I wasn't overly enthusiastic about exercise until I started exercising. I know. <laughs> you were all thinking it. The more I exercise, the more excited I get about exercise. Faith is the same way. If you don't use the muscle, the muscle decays. And lazy faith is not what you were intended to have. So we're talking about some enemies over the next few weeks. And next week we're going to talk about how how the enemy wants to place your faith in a place where it doesn't belong. But this week we're talking about how the enemy wants to keep you from using the faith that you have. Does anyone remember last week's enemy? Good job, girl. Last week was isolation. This week's enemy is apathy. And I do believe, man, this may be the most dangerous enemy the American church faces. Apathy is defined like this. A lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. Sentence, please. My geometry teacher thought I was full of apathy in high school. So did my algebra teacher. She thought I was full of apathy all four times I took her Algebra (laughs) 1 class. I was in Algebra (laughs) 4. No, you weren't, Tommy. Algebra 1 four times. This is what apathy is. A lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. And this is our biggest problem. We have a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. We approach this thing as if it's no big deal. We approach this thing as if we can do whatever we want, as if God's not really concerned about how we live or what we do. But the truth is, there is a call and a way we are designed to live, and it is not to be full of apathy. And there's some ways, some specific parts of our life where apathy tries to sneak in there and steal And the first one is this. The enemy tries to convince us to be apathetic with our time. Guys, if if you're under the age of about, I don't know, probably 30, you think you have all the time in the world. Um, As you get a little older, you start to think maybe not. Um, But we are so apathetic about time. We act like we have all the time in the world to do whatever it is we want to do. And so we don't do what we're supposed to do because we think we have all the time in the world to do it. James 4, 13, 14 says it like this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And that's, that's a scary thing. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's a scary thing unless you have faith. And if you have faith, then that's okay. But this is saying, man, your time matters. What you do today matters. What we do in this moment now, right now, matters. We need to approach each moment as if that is the moment where God wants to build our faith, not tomorrow. Think how many times we've had these conversations in our homes, like, "Oh, yeah, we'll start. We'll start giving. Uh, we'll, we'll be more generous when we get that new job." Or we'll go back to church once we have a baby. Gosh, how many families have said that? We'll go back to church once we have a baby. Or, or yeah, we'll, we'll start serving once our schedule frees up a little bit more. Or I'll talk to that person who's hurting in my office in the next couple of weeks. i got to get prepared and make an appointment. The truth is you need to do what you need to do now, not later. You, we need to start serving now, and your schedule needs to revolve around that, not wait till service can revolve around your schedule. You don't need to go back to church when you have a baby unless the baby you're having is baby Jesus. It shouldn't take a baby to lead you back to church. And if you're having baby Jesus, holla, I will put you in touch with my counselor today. <laughs> really? He's good. Like, I mean, it shouldn't wait till you have a new job to get more generous. If you're not generous with a quarter, you won't be generous with a dollar. And that person at your work who you know you need to talk to or that kid at your school who you know you need to talk to, you might not have forever. Now is the time. We don't have time to wait for what we know we need to do today. Sometimes I I even think about myself in worship. Some Sundays I come in and I worship as if I have a million worship gatherings left. As As if, you know, I'll get to do this with you people forever. I don't know that. I'm going to worship each week like it's the last time I may ever get to worship God with y'all because I love y'all that much and it means that much to me. I don't know how much time I have, but I know what I'm supposed to do with the time that I have. You're not supposed to let apathy convince you that you have forever. We have a mist, a vapor in this world. We're called to use it to the best of our ability to make a difference. Don't let apathy steal the time. The second thing apathy tries to do is cloud your purpose. Gosh, this one's like, I am convinced that the reason I get so distracted during the day is because so many of my days lack the purpose they were designed to have. It's amazing. Like if if you, and I'm not talking about the purpose for your whole life. Too many of us waste too much time trying to figure out the purpose for our whole life. The prayer says, give me this day, my daily bread. Like what I need is the purpose for every day. We get lost trying to find the purpose for our whole life, so we miss what we were supposed to do in the moment. And when we're asking God the purpose for our whole life, what we're really asking him is, tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I want to hear forever. It's like a, a song. Tell me what I want to hear forever, God. He's like, no. I'll tell you what you need to hear in this moment. Now do it. It may not give you the purpose for your whole life, but it'll give you the purpose for a moment if you'll listen. I love this this. this book of, there's a guy in the Bible and his name is Joshua. And if you want to read about him, go to the book of Joshua. <laughs> he's, a, he's this soldier and he became a leader and just an amazing guy. And he's, he's leading the Israelites out in the desert and they're whining and complaining and just being all wishy-washy and, and silly. And, and at some point it's like Joshua gets a little frustrated with them and he turns around and in Joshua 24, 14, this is what he says. Now fear the Lord. And serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord is undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites and those your land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I love that verse. He said, listen... Serve God with everything you've got, with all of your faith. Not apathetically, not showing up every now and then, not just an hour on Sunday. You serve God with everything you've got. But if that's a problem for you, then find somebody else to serve. Because God is a perfect gentleman and he will let you serve whoever you want to serve. But if you serve Yahweh God, then choose this day who you will serve. And you serve him with everything you've got. How much distraction in our day would we avoid if every day... We decided to choose this day who you will serve. So for me, that means on Monday, I will choose Monday that I will write a sermon for God and I will serve him like that. And on Tuesday, I will be with my staff and I'll serve him like that. And on Wednesday, I'll be be out with folks and be with people and I'll serve him like that. And Thursday was with people and staff serving Friday morning. I'm going to rest and be by myself and I'm going to serve God like that Friday night and Saturday. I'm going to be with my family and I'm going to serve God like that. And Sunday, I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to serve God like this. But every single day will be designed to serve God and you don't have have to be a pastor to do that tomorrow when you go to work you serve God you're 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 working so that you can serve God and on Tuesday you're serving God and Wednesday you're serving God with your family or volunteering or Thursday whatever you're doing decide before the day ever starts that that day will be purposed to serve God apathy cannot steal your day if you've already decided who that day is going to serve and then at night when you get in bed review the day this is where we go back to repent a few weeks ago God, did I serve you with everything I had today? And if not, I receive my forgiveness and I start again tomorrow. But choose this day who you will serve. Do not let apathy steal the purpose of your day because each day is purposed and each day is valuable. The next way that apathy tries to erode our life is by making us apathetic towards sin Do you know why I believe so many people experience victory over sin? Is because we're so quick to justify the sin we're supposed to be victorious over. Gosh, we justify sin. We are are the kings and queens of justifying sin, of making up reasons why what's clearly stated in the Bible is okay for me. And and so we don't experience victory because we over and over and over again make light of it or hide behind it. We hide behind the grace of God. I had a friend in high school, I'm tempted to say his name just because it's funny and he's one of my friends, but he would always say, he would do it every one, and then he'd go, freedom in Christ, bro. <laughs> and I was like, what? I love this. I wasn't a Christian, so I was like, that's, I'm in, freedom in Christ, and i do whatever I wanted. As I've grown, i realized that's not exactly what freedom in Christ meant. Freedom in Christ doesn't mean I'm free to wear whatever chain I want for as long as I want it. Freedom in Christ means I'm free to no longer wear the chains. Do you see the difference? We hide behind grace. We do whatever we want and then say the grace of God. And he's like, no, no, no. That's not how this works. My grace costs a lot. Do not cheapen it by acting like you can hide behind it and keep on sinning and do whatever you want. Don't hide behind grace. James, the brother of Jesus, or the half-brother, because I always say this because it makes me smile. They had different daddies. James, the brother of Jesus. (laughs) Jesus' daddy was God. James 4, 7. The message is if there's sin in your life, don't be apathetic towards it. Don't get used to it. Don't allow this stuff to hang around forever and ever because before long, it won't really bother you. Y'all have all seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, I hope. You remember the, the dude in there who was like, man, I've been institutionalized. He'd been in chains for so long that he couldn't enjoy freedom anymore. If we're not careful what we allow sin to do, it, it sits in our life a little while. And the first time, it hurts us, right? The first time we do that thing, we're like, oh, man, God, I'm so sorry. And the second time we do it, we're like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Third time, we're like, I'll apologize tomorrow. Fourth time, by like the 147th time, we actually begin to convince ourselves that this sin was God's will for me. That this is somehow okay. That God's accepting of whatever it is I'm doing that He clearly says He doesn't accept in the book he wrote. We begin to excuse the sin in our lives instead of fighting against it, and when that happens, the chains get a little tighter. We were never designed to be apathetic towards sin. That's why we have to deal with it early and often. There's a story in the Bible, and this is probably um, this is probably my favorite story. About apathy in the Bible, and it's John chapter 5, uh, verse 5 and 6, I think, and and it says, or 6 through 9, and it's, it's, what's happened here is Jesus is going down to to this place where all these people are are lame, they're all hurt, and they're all laying by this fountain, and the the theory was that someone would stir the water in the fountain, and then you would get in the fountain, and getting in that fountain after the water was stirred would actually heal you. And so Jesus gets there, and there's this one dude who's been laying by the fountain for 38 years. For 38 years, every day, this dude has shown up to the fountain. And you can read this passage a lot of different ways. This is just the way God's speaking it to me. And, and, and maybe it's because this is what God wants me to hear from me. But John 5, 6, it says, When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the man replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, man, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. Do you know what I hear when I read that? The chains that you're wearing, I broke 2,000 years ago. Take them off and walk, son. Why are you still wearing chains I broke? What are you waiting for? What do you mean you're still laying there? Get up and walk. Like 2,000 years ago, God broke every chain we would everywhere, every addiction, every greed, every guilt, every pride. He broke them all. And if you're still wearing them, you need to hear this. You're wearing them because of your choice. Guys, And I've been there. And listen, there are people in this room who have been victimized, and I am not downplaying that, but you do not have to live as a victim because we are more than conquerors. If you're living in this, in this life of blaming the world and it's nobody, everyone keeps getting ahead of me in line, God's going, man, stand up and take the chains off. If you wear them long enough, you will get used to them. Stoner, was it weird to wear those last week? Is it a little less weird this week? No one even notices how cute you are this week because you <laughs> sat up here last week. If you wore those chains up here every Sunday for about 15 years, you think you'd just kind of get used to them? Of course He would. And if you lay there long enough, you will get used to the chains. But God is saying, do not allow anything to take seed in your heart. Fight it and get rid of it and take the chains off. Guys, the, the, the stuff I saw on, on this week on Monday planted a seed in me that hurts. And I, I, am, I am different. To watch what I watched and to see what I saw, I, it, it hurts. It hurts. But I refuse to let that seed plant itself in my life. That's why on Wednesday I went to counseling. And that's why I'm exercising and I'm fighting and I'm trying and I'm talking to people and I'm being open and I'm here today. I didn't, I, part of me didn't even want to be here today. But this is what I do and it's who I am and I refuse to allow any seed to ever take, ever take my heart over. I've lived in chains before and by the grace of God I will not go back. You do not have to go back either. If you're living in chains, you need to understand the chain is there now at this point. By your choice, take it off. And no, you can't do it by yourself. I I wouldn't be going to counseling. They're not exactly free. I've got friends around me. I've got people because I need people to help me. But the choice is yours about whether or not you will stand up and walk. Stoner, take those chains off and walk, man. Take them off. Stand up. This is is what it should sound like when God tells you to take your chains off. It should sound like this. It shouldn't sound Stoner's not waiting for someone else to come take his chains off. He's not complaining about the chains being there. He's simply taking chains off that never belonged on him. And when he gets done today, he's gonna pick up his chair and walk. Now pick up your chair and walk. Look at him, the man's free. Isn't that great? You know what my job was? To tell Stoner he had chains on him. When did that not become grace? It's 100% grace. If you see someone in chains to not tell them, to not love them enough to help them get the chains off, that's not being a friend. That's being an enemy of freedom. If we see people wearing chains, if we see captives, if we see hostages, it's our job. And you know why I can tell Stoner to take the chains off? Because Stoner and I have a relationship. I I say this, don't walk across the room and tell someone to move chains if you don't know them. Build a relationship with them for the purpose of setting them free. For the purpose of their freedom and God's glory. But guys, if you are still wearing chains, I want you to hear this. Take them off. Take them off. If you don't aggressively fight that thing in you with everything you've got, that thing can take your life from you. Fight. Fight. And you're not alone. There's a room full of soldiers who will fight with you. But you must decide that the chains you're wearing have already been broken. For your freedom and his glory. The chains will fall. And apathy you are not welcome here. Amen.